0: And welcome to BiblioChat. I'm your host, Forrest Hurlbut. And on this episode, we're going to explore Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And on this episode, I'd like to take a more financial and economic perspective of Putin's invasion. And in order to help me explore this problem, we have BiblioScoop's finance expert, Taylor Weeks. Taylor, how's it going?
1: I'm doing well, Forrest. How are you?
0: Uh, Doing well. So I'm excited to have you on today because I've been doing some research on past invasions of Western Europe. And the most obvious one would be Hitler's invasion in the 1930s and 40s. And what's interesting about Hitler's invasion was that he plundered the gold from the regions he conquered. And so specifically, he, he plundered the gold from the Austrian Central Bank uh, in the very initial stages of his invasion. And he used this plundered gold to finance the rest of his invasion. And so what I'm, so I'm curious to ask you is, how, how does the economic landscape of Hitler's time compared to Putin's current invasion in the 21st century.
1: Yeah, Forrest, that's so that's a really interesting thought. And the world is significantly smaller today than it was in the early 40s, in late 30s, when Hitler was waging his conquest. The physical movement of money is less important now, if even important at all, compared to Hitler, we don't have to move gold in order to pay soldiers or build cities or build war machines, money moves electronically. And so one of the interesting things about the interconnected nature of global finance today is that despite massive sanctions being placed on Putin from the West, he's still able to raise money for his continued war effort through selling oil, cheap oil at that To the likes of India and Russia. In fact, India has grown to be the second biggest purchaser of Russian oil, and China continues to buy cheap oil from Russia as well.
0: So, if India and China can continue to purchase oil from Russia because they're trading in their own currencies, then are the sanctions not effective?
1: That's a really complicated question that I don't know if there's a simple answer for, but I do think, yes, the sanctions were effective and they
0: set out what they were intended to accomplish. I don't think that it would be
1: reasonable to expect international partners to cease trading with Russia because of these sanctions. I think, honestly, what the intent probably was Was to make things super uncomfortable for Putin and his inner circle, the oligarchs, that control all of the local industries and domestic and sometimes abroad industries that generate wealth for Russia. So I think that manifests in the forced divestiture of Chelsea by Roman Abramovich being the most notable, and secondary, the seizure of various yachts in international ports across the world. The forced selling of homes and seizure of bank accounts in places like the UK and elsewhere where Russian money had been so prevalent. And I think the combination of those uncomfortable actions were supposed to make Putin's inner circle pressure him to engage in negotiations or peace talks and to make things super uncomfortable for him at home. And mainly why I think one of it was successful was because, you see this in the past couple of weeks, I can't remember how long ago it was at this point, but Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group, Russia's largest private military force, attempted a coup. He was driving towards Moscow to try and overthrow Putin, and at the last second before he got too close, he turned around and stopped. Nobody knows, there's tons of speculation what actually happened, but... That doesn't happen if everything is all roses and things are going well he's
0: feeling pressure and i think these sanctions are a main
1: contributor to that pressure that he's feeling
0: so this coup is evidence of growing frustration within russia but as you mentioned earlier china and india continue to buy russian oil so do you think the war will persist given these factors
1: that is also a very complicated question for which I don't think there's a simple answer. And I think the, the way to go about answering that is to determine whether or not the Russian people will continue to have an appetite for it. It's clear that international trade partners are willing and able and continue to spend their money and buy Russian oil. So money in this scenario isn't really an issue. But as evidenced by that coup attempt by Evgeny, And the growing sense of unease within the Russian population, I think that's the biggest determining factor, whether it be the oligarchs or the Russian everyday people, as you see attacks starting to get closer to Moscow. I think their fatigue, as they continue to be isolated from the rest of the world,
0: will be the biggest risk that Putin faces. And so I think, ultimately, he will come to the negotiating table and put an end to this soon. Because... He is losing favor for this war effort within Russia
1: every single day that progresses. People keep dying, people can't spend money, people can't go abroad. I think there is a real lack of appetite for this continued conflict, regardless of what the state media puts out to them via propaganda and all of those things. So yes, I think this will continue to persist as every day passes the pressure continues to mount, ultimately forcing Putin to make a decision.
0: No, I think that's important to bring up, to discuss the experiences of the Russian people uh, and how this war is kind of taking a toll on them. But I think that that should be a topic for our next episode, and we can really look into that more, especially Brugosian's coup.
1: Yeah, that would be great. I'll be looking forward to it for